filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. podcasting soccer podcasting in particular is a pretty close-knit community i want to say that's true for listeners and i think it's even truer for hosts of shows actual podcasters and i think there might be nobody more well liked and more beloved in the the universe of soccer podcasters where we're way out on the fringes of it um but but right in the middle of it all is Daryl Grove, one of the hosts of the Total Soccer Show. And and we've mentioned it on this show before that he uh, is is dealing with, with cancer right now. Um, had a big scare and he he's fighting it off and he's he's winning right now. Unfortunately, his insurance company is, um, I don't know, less happy that he's winning this battle right now because they are refusing to cover uh, some radiation treatments that he needs to live in addition to the clinical trial he's literally driving to boston for from richmond um i i'm not even sure how frequently but but several times to to get this uh brand new experimental treatment now he needs something a little more traditional radiation treatment and the insurance company is refusing to cover it and it's going to cost him 50 grand out of pocket um, right which is insane it, it's yeah, just that's... insane um yeah, Daryl, like I said, is incredibly well loved among soccer podcasters, uh, and and we're no exception to that. So, we want to encourage you, if you have the means, to go to the Team Daryl GoFundMe to support his fight against cancer, because the world needs the Total Soccer Show, and uh, the world needs Daryl Grove in it. So, uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, Jason, but that's how I wanted to start uh, the show. No, I think that I think that sums it up. I mean, you won't find anyone that has a bad word to say about Daryl. So um, that and just the general like the fact that it it probably boils both of our blood uh, to uh, hear about this uh, situation being foisted upon someone who did not did not seek out to get cancer, um, and suddenly uh in a terribly unjust country is being told hey yeah you gotta pay for that we're not going to help you uh we're we're the people that you thought were supposed to help you with these things but we actually are going to refuse to help you at all right now surprise uh good luck um but that's a that's a different podcast uh our feelings about the insurance industry so um in any case if if you can uh find a way to help daryl i i'm sure he would appreciate it and uh yeah it's it's tough it's tough to hear that that's going on so the URL for that, if you do want to support Daryl, is GoFundMe.com slash team hyphen Daryl, D-A-R-Y-L hyphen Grove. Um, so Team Daryl, kick cancer's ass, dude. Um, 
Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and uh, going to get the e-tag here, Fuck Cancer Podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley is off tonight. Um, we are we are recording a rare Friday night edition of Filibuster here to talk about DC United's win. Yes, I said the phrase, DC United's win, over the New York Red Bulls on Wednesday night. And we're going to preview Sunday's game at home against NYCFC. That game will happen Sunday night, 7 p.m. Watch it on WJLA 24-7 News, dcunited.com, or ESPN+. Plus. Before we talk about anything else, though, Jason, my friend, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I, I had a more fun answer earlier. Um, I had a very strong version of a Paloma. Um, but uh, I've, got, I've still got... Uh, writing to do because there are games to cover this weekend um so i've still got a little work to do tonight so i decided to back off from doing another one of those so that the article would be coherent uh so right now i've just got some some grapefruit Lacroix, um just to make sure that the articles are uh not a little too weird i mean there's a certain standard of weirdness that we bring but i, I don't want it to be so weird where it's like this is no longer about the game that it said it was going to be about you don't want to write something that would be better suited on secret base than black and red United. Right. Right. Or, or just like something that would be suited for like uh, a bad Twitter account, uh, just rambling on for nothing, uh, which is where it would probably go if, if given enough time. Fair. So I, I like that you keep the grapefruit train running though. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I become a big fan of Palomas, but grapefruit in other contexts, I am less of a fan of. Mm hmm. Like it, grapefruit flavor notes in IPA, I can live with, but like just grapefruit soda by itself, I'm I'm not about. Put tequila or mezcal in there, and I'm with you. I'm I'm there. I but. I kind of used to I used to be that way, and then I suddenly one day was like, well, let me circle back and try it again. And I found that my opinion had changed through no. It hadn't been like there was no like persuasive argument made or um earth shattering grapefruit experience it was just like well let me try this another time and see if it works this time and it was like oh this is fine um that really was it it was like oh i've i've shipped my opinions have changed without me knowing i used to feel that way about martinis um mm -hmm. and then i i was like i like other gin drinks i like gin ricky's i like tom collins's um i like a a, a gin smash that has some citrus in it and then it hit me I like olives and I like gin, but I don't like them together. Those flavors uh, do not work for me uh, for whatever reason. Yeah. So I uh, started having my martinis with a twist instead of olive and I'm, I'm here for it. And I don't know if I've ever had a martini on the show, but I had just the right amount of time to, yeah. to do it beforehand. So I've got a, uh, a green hat martini with a twist um, here. I'm trying to think. I don't know if anyone has had a martini on the show um we're not as as much as we drink on this show we're not really a martini crowd yeah and, and i know for me one of the stops is uh glassware uh, i don't own a proper martini glass uh so i would be like doing an ad hoc version in some other kind of glass um that's part of it if i'm being honest is just like oh i don't have the right glass and it's one of the only ones where i'm like the glass is kind of part of the deal um like I, I've definitely been like, I'll drink wine out of a soda cup to pretend that I'm not drinking wine. It's fine. 
Um, yeah, I mean, but, and, um, like a Manhattan, you can have on the rocks or up sure. in, in a cocktail glass like a martini. But a martini, you can't really do on the rocks at that point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, that, yeah, that's some other thing. Um, it feels it <laughs> like a martini is a, a very strong drink that, you know, is it, you can develop a taste for it, I think. But it's not an inherently instantly pleasurable drink it's a right a drink it's you a drink when you drink. like to drink yeah yeah that, that's not a drink you drink when you just turn 21 that's right. one that so you grow into i feel like you need the glass almost as a um almost as a psychological thing just to you're like i'm drinking a classy drink <laughs> i'm not drinking that's garbage a, yeah that might be something uh or or other drinks like, don't need the aura around them but Mar- a martini I'm needs drinking- I'm drinking something that is almost all alcohol, but I don't want to just come across like this is my cup of bourbon. Uh, I want to show that I, you know, ha- because there's a, like a, a sophistication that comes with that. Maybe it's associated with, you know, James Bond movies and things like that. Um, it kind of martini glass kind of is associated with maybe being dressed up a little bit. Um, whereas, uh, you know, if you get a tumbler of bourbon, you don't need to be dressed up for that. You can be in pretty much any state. And it's like, well, that makes sense. It goes with anything. Uh, and I, I, I could spend the entire podcast diving into <laughs> the psychological reasons of that, but that is not this podcast. Yes. This is a soccer podcast. And so instead I will say that not since Nick DeLeon's 2012 late playoff series winner following a snowstorm and a superstorm and a trading of home dates, had DC United won a soccer game in New Jersey. The wait ended on Wednesday night with another late game winner. This time, 21-year-old Estonian Eric Sorga gave DC United the Atlantic Cup win over the New York Red Bulls. And uh, it was nice. Winning is nice. This feels nice, Jason. Feels good. Feels right. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe even to, to the extent of like like feeling like you've received a massage. Um just from a, a uh, tension standpoint, I mean, um, we're talking about a team that hadn't won since March. Uh, and yes, it's only it, it it was only going it was looking like it was about to be seven games without a win, which is a lot. Uh, but that's not a five months, uh, five months plus without a win. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this was a big one. Um and to get it done, like, you know, we saw the rosters before the game. You see the Red Bulls coming out with um, pretty much other than arguably Sean Nealis. Um, arguably, this is the best lineup they got um, as far as their their best 11. I, I think Ryan Mira has just recently pushed aside uh, David Jensen in goal. Um, so they were pretty close to full strength. And then you look at DC's team and you're like, yeah, the lineup looks like this because everyone's out. Um so, you know, looking at that, taking into consideration the fact that the injury to Felipe came the day before, so it's not like they had a lot of time to work on what they were going to do if he was unavailable. Um, all of those things factoring in, uh, it's it's the kind of win that could be the morale boost that gets them going. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that that is what's going to happen, um, but it is the kind of thing that th- this group, on top of being occasionally um or not occasionally in the, the previous two games um just being mistake prone um it wasn't like they were you know playing 
horribly all the time. It was just that when they made mistakes, they were huge mistakes. Um, and that's the kind of thing that can really drag you down. Um, and you can start to spiral and, and a, a short losing streak becomes a long losing streak. Um, this is the kind of game that can then sort of arrest that trend and get you going in the right direction again. Um, it helps that we're also talking about the first win over the Red Bulls in any competition since 2012. Um, first regular season win since 2011, the Dwayne Rosario game. Um, it's, we're talking that long, that long ago. Um, so those things added in the fact that it's, um, you know, Eric Sorga has had a pretty long year um, with the, you know, the, the scare of possibly having the COVID test, the fact yeah. that it's been a slow adaptation, that the fact that, that, you know, the team's plan for him was for him to be getting regular games so that he would have played many more games by now. Um, so his acc- acclimatization to MLS has been slowed down. His understanding with the team has been slowed down. Um, for him to get a goal, uh, I, I got the sense from the post-game comments and also from the press conference earlier today that um, Sorga's well-liked in the locker room. Um, he, he's maybe a little bit of a character uh, within the group. So, um, I mean, you can see him, it, the joy on, on the players' faces yeah. wasn't just for the win. They right. they were really happy for Sorga, it looked like yeah. out there. And, 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 you know, Donovan Pines, I think said that today as well, that um, they were happy for him, uh, not, not just for themselves, but for him. Um, So yeah, in so many ways, uh, just a huge, psychologically, just a huge win for them, for the coaching staff, for fans. I'm sure uh, people are listening to this and they're a little in a little better mood uh, than they were for the last episode. Um, I'm sure we could find a way to bring that down, maybe uh, a good 45 minutes on Erie, Pennsylvania, but um, maybe we'll we'll put that for another episode. We'll save that for another time and instead, uh, have some fun. In, instead, I'll 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 say that I'm I'm hopeful that the emotional response and the effect will be something similar to the the buzzard beater, the Wayne Rooney to Lucho Acosta play, because I mean we remember the the torrid run at the end of 2018 with all those home games, but the first several didn't go great uh, for, for United and they were tied at home to 10 man Orlando before Wayne Rooney ran down Will Johnson and stole his lunch Mm -hmm. money, his soul and everything else that belonged to him and, and instead put it on Lucho's head from 40 yards. Uh, That win galvanized the team. And we saw mm-hmm. them take the next step after that and actually start playing well. I don't know if this team, especially shorthanded as they are, has has the same ceiling as that team in 2018 at this point. But knowing that they can get a win, knowing they can play, um, and that 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 weight is maybe off their shoulders now, maybe we see a little bit more joy coming out. Um, right and and just a little bit freer there there's there might be some exceptions and we'll talk about that in a little bit but um i I, i'm hopeful that the team now just they're off the mark now they've they've started they they had had no wins like you said since march they played in orlando no wins they've they'd played games you know in cincinnati dc um and no wins. They they finally got a win <laughs> under their belt that they can actually remember now. Hopefully that that means that you know they're there's they're on the path. 
Yeah, and and you know, it's also for some for some of these guys, it's maybe um, uh, a little more of a, a proof uh, for themselves that they they can get the job done because you start to doubt yourself so much. Um, you know, you do kind of forget that you know these guys are here for a reason. They're not a bunch of bums. They're really good. Um, but you know, when things aren't going well, it's hard to remember that as a player. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it, it's probably very meaningful to the team to, to, to win the game in the nature that they want it, which, um, you know, the first 20 to 30 minutes were all Red Bulls. Um, this wasn't the situation where DC high presses for 15 and then backs off. This was DC was backed off from kickoff, um, they were there. They intentionally were going out to say, we're going to, we're a storm is coming. We are prepared to weather it. Um, and that is our job right now. Um, they got through that with that. Really the only big chance in that first half hour is that sneaky um, shot from Kaku that um, sites was screened on um, at seventh, eighth minute um, where that one could have snuck in because sites, you know, it's a shot from 10 yards where sites doesn't see the shot when it's being hit. Um, but is he that did the one well. where he went down to his right? Yeah. Yes. He, he kept it from sneaking in at the near post. Um, but it, it's, uh, that one's a trickier save than, um, it, uh, it appears. It also looks like now that I've opened up Opta or the chalkboard, it looks like Opta's crediting that as a miss, uh, which is a big mistake. Uh, cause it was very, very, very clearly a save. Um, yeah. and given, I guess corner, they're saying, I, I remember asking like, that it's like oh maybe that was going in maybe it was heading toward the post i'm not sure but i'm glad he got his hand to it i mean it doesn't matter though like if if one the shot was definitely going in um but two (laughs) uh if you get down and make a save on a shot like that like that those are counted as shots um yeah so i I think uh, i mean you know optas they've also got a time wrong on this so i don't know what's going on maybe they don't even have it in here anyway it's not worth getting into um that was a big moment because, you know, looking at sites specifically, um, going back to last year, he played in a few of those friendlies that went very badly wrong. Um, and the Philly game went very badly wrong. Um, and I don't think that it was bad goalkeeping necessarily, but I was starting to wonder if the team, either his organizational cues weren't very good or the team didn't respond to them. Um, There's some sort of, you know, connection issue between the defense and him that couldn't be resolved. It was starting to wonder because when a goalkeeper gets, gives up a bunch of goals, it's not always their fault. It's not even often their fault. Um, But you do have to, if it happens repeatedly, you do have to start to wonder like, is this someone giving up goals that are stoppable? And in the Philly game, I thought that, yes, there was at least one that he should be doing better on the Sergio Santos goal. I think he should be saving that one. Um, but in this case, this Kaku shot is another one that when you when you think of a save or a, a goal where you say, oh, the goalkeeper should have gotten to that. So this is one where sites probably should be making the save, but it is a tricky one. Um, it's early in the game as well. So that was a big moment um, because if they get one there with the pressure that they were putting DC under, the fact that DC was coming in with such a bad run of form, you, it's pretty easy to see that thing going, you know, you put crumbling your head down. pretty badly. Yeah, having a repeat, yeah. you know, having a repeat of the Philly game. Um, so that's uh, the classic when Ben Olsen says guys making plays. That's the kind of stuff he's referring to. Is that or 
uh, Donovan Pines having a couple clearances on uh, balls that were loose. Um, now, you know, they did get, they got lucky on the, the Tom Barlow chance, the second shot, you know, the first the rebound. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, Sites does what he can on a point blank shot, but it's, it's a powerful shot from right in front of him. Rebound control is not, not really a thing at that point. It's just, can you block the ball? Um, and, you know, Barlow gets the second chance and he opted, you know, if he takes a little power off that, he probably has enough control at that point to guide it in. And instead he tried to slam it. And fortunately for DC, it hit the post and didn't hit anyone else and went away. Um, but that was it. It wasn't like, this wasn't the uh, one shot, one kill game where it was like, how has Montreal not scored a goal by now? This was, yeah, the Red Bulls are having a lot of shots, but they're not good shots. Um, they have a lot of shots that are not good opportunities. Um, and you know, DC in the end, they started to, right at the end of the first half, they started to piece together some possession. Um, and I think that's sort of like the other side of the equation where you're keeping them off the board. You're even having spells where it's not even that difficult to keep them off the board, but you still need to to prove to yourself as well as to them that you can do something with the ball. And these weren't counters. They were spells of possession. Um, this is the kind of thing that in the past DC was never able to do at Red Bull Arena. Usually they'd go up there and once once the Red Bulls started to establish their bulwark in DC's half, the game kind of that stayed there. Yeah. And it was just sort of like a you could just see the hours of the 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 hours of the uh sand glass is what I wanted to say, but that's not what they're called. Hourglass? Um, yes, the, the hours the of the hourglass. Uh um <laughs> yeah, you, you could just see them ticking away and be like, well, this is eventually gonna go bad. Um and this was a different kind of performance. It was a little more, I'm not going to say it was hyper sophisticated, but it was a little more sophisticated. It was a little more thoughtful. Um, DC's use of the ball was a little more uh, considered. And it seemed like the group on the field was a little more comfortable that they could withstand that pressure and still play out of it sometimes. And that's how they were able to establish some of those long spells at the end of the first half of possession that eventually they didn't create any specifically great chances, but they did, you know, put the ball in dangerous spots where maybe the shot didn't come in, but there was something. Um, and, and so that's why I want to draw a line between past DC games at Red Bull arena, where they were just getting clobbered and it was the goal against was inevitable. This one, it was less of that. Um, this was a, a, a step in the right direction, maybe not a huge step, but a, a step in the right direction as far as how you can actually play this way against the Red Bulls and succeed um, rather than simply being a ticking time bomb of when are you going to concede your goal against. So that's a plus uh, the fact that they could pull that off with, you know, what is clearly not the best 11 on the roster. So there's a few things um, I want to mention. Uh, number one, uh, Chris Armis, Red Bulls coach has been fired uh, after this game. DC United uh, effectively signed its death certificate. Uh, or second his job. time in team history that they've done that to the uh metros or red bulls they they did that to mo johnston back in the day as well <laughs> um same, same thing happened except except that was more of a like dc one at home big and then he was fired yeah th- this may have been um some time coming for for armis they got a new sporting director there who maybe wants to put his own imprint on the team and they're not happy calling him yeah, yeah, they've been calling for his head since he got the job, basically. Much. Yeah. Um, even though his first half a season in charge was even better than Jesse Marsh that year when right. he took over for him. Um, I likened him to 
Red Bull's Tommy Sohn. He took over uh, an incredible roster and managed mm-hmm. to win a supporter shield with them and then underperformed from from right. then on. And, you know, he got two and a half years. Tommy Sohn got three years. You know, it, the parallels seem seem to be there. Lots of fans calling for either's head. Tommy Sohn just ran out his contract. He didn't get fired right. per se, but effectively the same result. Uh, I also want to shout out DC United Team of the Week players, which I think this is the first time in 2020 that DC United has had anybody on the Team of the Week. I think uh, I think Briant has been on there once or twice. Yeah, Briant may have gotten on there when yeah. uh, against he, he definitely got on there when two. he scored against Miami. Yeah, and he might have gotten on there when he scored against TFC. Um, turns out, uh, let me pull the the curtains back a little bit. Uh, the voting process for all this, all the league awards especially when we've got so many games in a row, there's no time to watch all the games. Um, Very few people around this league are able to do that. Um, And so a lot of time the voting is like, oh, a defender scored? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll vote for him. Um, Yep. So uh, DC United did get a defender in the the first 11 of the team of the week. Donovan Pines, his first career nod for for team of the week, I think. did not score a goal, still managed to impress enough people to get up there. Goal line clearances will will help yeah. with that, I think. Uh, and then two players on the quote-unquote bench for, for the team of the week. Uh, Eric Sorga, who played all of eight minutes, had four touches and one shot and one goal, and one coach fired. It's a pretty solid week uh, for the 21-year-old. And then Chris Seitz, who, who only had to make four saves officially, but definitely kept DC United in the game through the the early going uh, of this one. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up that you made me think of that was not in my notes originally was the organization of the defense, which mm-hmm. I, I, I agree was an issue against Philadelphia. And I, I think that it's that stems from the fact that Donovan Pines, uh, a young relative new player who hasn't spent a lot of time in a three center back system was effectively leading the defense there. He had Axel Schoberg on one side of him and Joseph Mora, who is not in fact a center back, even if he has some qualities that fit that kind of marking back in a three back role. Um, that that's not something he's spent a lot of time with for, for DC United. It makes sense that that defense would not be organized. I know during the press conference, Jason, you asked, Chris Seitz about the organization and the first thing he said was well we got Fred back and yeah, Fred Briant yeah. it deserves a lot of credit for for this defensive showing I think yeah um he mentioned it Ben Olsen uh, Ben Olsen wanted to shout him out also for playing through an injury um he, the ankle injury that kept him out against Philly was not fully back he was you know gritting through it but um you know that's another one of those things that can help the team you know, it's not just the result. It's also knowing what people are going through to get the result. Um, this was also, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Briant has captained the team. Uh, it almost has to be because Steve Birnbaum up until this last two games hadn't missed a game since 2017, yeah. um, which is before. before. <laughs> on the team. So um, QED, my it, friend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's nice for him to, to, get rewarded with the armband. Um, I, I'm not a huge captaincy uh, type of guy. I, I don't think it's actually that important, but it is nice. It's a nice thing you can do for a 
a valued player who is stepping up, um, who is, you know, dealing with something difficult and, and is, you know, is going to be important on the day. Um, it kind of can signal to that player that your trust is in them. Um, so all that on that side of things, that's a big plus um, that the response was so good from him to, um, to, you know, marshal a defense that did have a lot of t- defending to do, but didn't actually give up all that much. Um, so, yeah, this this was a big performance from all three of the guys that played in the middle of that. I, I'm I'm calling it five four one, um, and you know they 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 really dealt with the Red Bulls quite well. I I think all, all things considered, there were moments that weren't great, um, but all in all, I, I think they they earned their way to keeping the Red Bulls to one or zero goals, which when you go on the road and you're this shorthanded, that's pretty good. Um, yes, it's not the best team in the world. This is not the old Red Bulls that were, um, a it's not the 2018 team. team, right? This is not a team that, that is, um, being talked about as a contender. Um, right now the, you know, I mentioned this on our last show, I was on with the guys from seeing red and they were like, you guys are in the same boat we are. And I was like, I don't think that's accurate, but for them, it felt like things were going just as badly as they were for DC coming into the game. Um, which is unfamiliar. They haven't been in that, that space for quite a while. Um, so, you know, it was, a, I think a difficult, a difficult circumstance for, for really for everyone that was in the starting lineup to try and play a different way again, and not like a different in a small way, but different in a big way. This was not the way they approached the union game uh, or any of these games uh, coming out of MLS's back. Um, and we saw at MLS's back, the team did a fairly bad job of trying trying to play low block soccer and coming out early and just not being up for it. Um, and in this game, they were up for it. They were they were ready for what that requires. It's not fun. Uh, there was plenty of complaining on Twitter. I was complaining that the game was or basically complaining that GC just wasn't having the ball. Um, was the main yeah. thing. It was just D- I mean, DC Steve Goff was complaining ball. about this game because yes, well, there was nothing oh. happening for a while. Yeah, both teams uh, were trying to kill the game in their own different ways, right? The Red Bulls yeah. want to come out and strangle every game with a high press. They want passing percentages to be below 70%. And for DC United, at least for uh, the first chunk of the game, they they accomplished that. DC United had terrible passing percentages uh, for the first part of this game. Uh, and DC United was trying to just strangle the game in the final third for the Red Bulls. Um, and then, you know, any chance they got to possess the ball, they would happily take it but that was not they're going to be plan a yeah that was that was let's take a breather and late in the game you saw the the heavy legs start to kick in which you know play being the fourth game in three weeks or two and a half weeks uh we'll we'll do that but when united did get onto the counter and this is this is different than what we saw for most of the time in orlando at least when when pipa iguain wasn't on the field running the counter himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC United actually created some chances on the counter in this yeah. one, which which was a, a nice change. Um, it would be good if Ola Kamara could finish those chances on the counter. The, the man just has no confidence right now. I'm not willing to say right. that he's a bust or he's lost it. I think he's just a striker who's not confident right now. I don't know necessarily why that is i'm i I have a good idea because we are all experiencing mass trauma and have been since march 
yeah, it's, it's hard that to be can sure. affect you in various ways. One mm-hmm. of them might be a lack of confidence in front of goal. <laughs> and I, I think one other thing there is that he's gotten the same kind of chance in the last few games. There's always been one where he's in on goal. The goalkeeper has read it and is coming off his line. And it's one of those, like, do you round him? Do you shoot early? Um, against Philly, he should have rounded uh, Andre Blake. I think it's against Philly. There's so many games now, I can't even remember which. Against Philly, which one he tried to round Andre Blake. And right. He, 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 he didn't him. do a good job of it. Um, mm-hmm. This one, he just should have shot one touch earlier. Um, yep. And by keeping the ball. The thing is, I, I'm convinced that his shot was going to beat Mira anyway. But Sean Nealis' tackle, which was an excellent tackle, um, broke the play up. I, I, looking at the replay, it looked like his shot was going to get in. Um, and that I'm sure would have been a huge goal for Kamara um, to, to, you know, sort of slay the beast of I've had this chance now three games in a row. If I get one in now, I'm feel confident. I feel like myself again. Um, so unfortunately that's not the case. He does still, you know, he has the penalty kick goal um, from a couple weeks ago. So he has that to fall back on, but uh, when you're a forward, the penalty kick goal doesn't mean as much as the open play goal does. You don't get the same and rush. He, and Yeah, and he, he needs one of those to go in. Um, yeah. And, you know, the good news is that this is not a situation where he's just never getting into positions that are dangerous. Then that would be time to say, okay, you gotta, you've got to swap him out. Um, he's staying dangerous. Um, he's, you know, consistently getting uh, DC's highest expected goal chance of the game. Uh, over and over again it's just he's got to start putting them in um, he's got to kind of get out of his own head and just you know do it without thinking it's one of those things where um, if you come across a word that you have trouble pronouncing if you just roll through it you might get it on the first try but if you stop for a second it, it all goes wrong you get in your own head and he's doing that um, yeah I, I think it really is as simple as he just needs to relax on one of these and do the most natural thing rather than saying like, let me make this a little bit easier on myself. Let me take the one extra touch. Let me round this guy when I could have shot earlier. Um, yeah, I he think just it's needs to quite a little. It, it's also kind of, you're, you're singing in other parts of his game too. There were at least a couple of times against the Red Bulls where he dropped back into possession and mm-hmm. his hold up. He, he held onto the ball too long, got surrounded by three guys and ended up falling right. over and giving up the ball. Um, and it happened right around midfield and it happened actually well into United's half at one point yeah. too, because he's, he was coming back to try to get on the ball. I don't really want Ola Kamara helping with the buildup. Um, he, yeah, it's to, never to, been his best thing to, to borrow a phrase from Matt Doyle. Uh, he's a, a striker. You play two, not a striker. You play through, right? He he's um, the guy you want with that final touch before the goal. He's not Wayne Rooney who you want actually dictating the buildup. And then if he gets on the end of it too, even better, but his value is also earlier in the, the buildup Kamara, Ola Kamara. You just want to have that last touch. And if, you know, if you need to clear it up to him to, to hold on to it, I'm a runner or someone uh, yeah. to, to lay it off to, because he's not going to find that pass. And he, he looked for it on the counter and almost got a goal out of it himself when uh, mm-hmm. the pass got picked off. And then Yamil Assad, who got himself a key pass, we called him out last game for having no dribbles and no key passes. Um, I don't know if he had any dribbles in this game, but he had a key pass that was a back heel. So I feel like that counts for both. 
No, he uh, Assad was specifically significantly better in this game. Um, in in you know he didn't have any successful dribbles, but he was he had two key passes. He's also just um, looking forward more. He's looking to take a few more chances, um, and that's that's what we're looking for here. Is it's not going to be um, you know he's not going to go out there and and complete every single pass and have 10 key passes and six assists or whatever. Um, you just want to see him to start playing a few more vertical. Um, and you look at his passing chart and it's a little I mean, more I'd vertical. like him to complete every pass and have 10 key passes sure. and six assists. I'd really well, like that. That would be that, super that fun. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, to that, would, that would be Ballon d'Or type, yeah. <laughs> type of numbers in any um, But yeah, you see a little more, when you look at his passing chart, you see a little more red. Um, which is those are the giveaways. Now, some of them are not very good. There's a couple outside of DC's box that uh, are specifically like, wow, that's you can't do that. Um, but if you see a little more red out of him, it means he's taking a little more risk. Um, some of the time you don't want your attacking midfielders to be piling up 90% passing accuracy because that means they're probably picking some safe passes too often. Um, I also thought his... His overall engagement level in the game um, was a little higher in this one than against the Union. Um, just the general like quickness with which he reacted to what was going on around him, the fact that he was not just reacting but actually planning ahead and putting people on the Red Bulls in bad positions as far as um, where he popped up without the ball. Um, you know, I, I thought he did well in that category, and and you know, United needed it. They needed a better version out of him. Uh, to help he's remembering out. how to soccer after yeah. after so um, long away from the field he's remembering how to and, do it and him and Kevin Paredes are building up a little more of an understanding there was a phase in the second half where uh, several times Paredes was allowed to um, and, and it's not you know the coaching staff isn't yelling for them to do this this is players figuring it out on the fly um, but it, Paredes was able to stay high take someone on because he is a little faster than Assad, so he is going to be more dangerous in those situations. So Assad tucked in a little, dropped off a little, so that Paredes had that platform to not just attempt the dribble, but even to stay up for another 30 seconds or so, because it it made more sense than trying to switch back really quick. Um, so on that front, um, that's a that's a promising development for those two, um, because you know it looks like right now uh, Paredes is kind of a starter. Uh, I said this in freedom kicks. Uh, he's already got more minutes played than every teenager in MLS, except for four. Uh, and those four guys are all 19 year olds. And we're talking about um, Brendan Aronson, John Luca Busio guys that have international suitors after them. Um, so yeah, he's suddenly, you know, people, I mean, he was just on the Cooligans, So people are starting to notice. Yep. Um, ben Don't Olsen listen to that, by the way, it was a, it was a yeah. great conversation. Uh, I, I felt, so happy for Christian Polanco um, <laughs> having a, yeah. another Dominican to yeah. to talk soccer with. You can tell that he just he needed that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, you know Ben Olson mentioned he kind of joked. I think uh, I'm not sure if it was after this game because again, there's so many games that are all, the press conferences are all kind of blurring together too. Um, but he joked that he's you know that um, that he's glad that he hasn't gotten too much attention yet because it becomes harder to manage a young player when they start getting more <laughs> attention. But at the same time, uh, he, he deserves more attention um, around the league. You know, this is a league that uh, this season, especially DC didn't come out and impress right away. And 
uh, without huge star names, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, this isn't that interesting. And so you start to notice when people do national coverage that DC comes up a little less and a little less. We've been through this before where when the team isn't winning, most of the time people aren't going to pay attention. Um, I mean, that's the case for everyone, but it's a little more the case for your teams that aren't uh, Seattle or LAFC or the Galaxy, um, things like that. So DC was kind of becoming an afterthought. And so he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, but I'm hope I hope that people start noticing him more. I know that he's starting to get the, um, like we talked about on the last show, the, the USMNT Youth National Team prospect video uh, clip treatment. So um, yeah, he's, he's doing, he's earning it though. It's not just that the team is shorthanded. He's also out there on merit and now he's thriving in this role, which is adding more defensive uh, duties than I thought he was going to be able to handle quite frankly. Um, yeah, and he's doing it with a plum. Yeah, you, you, know, you see him locked in on defense too. His body language isn't like, well, now I have to run back and defend. I right. guess I have to keep doing this. He puts his head down and he sprints back. Um, he, there was the moment. There was the moment in the game specifically that um, uh, Tom Barlow got him isolated one on one near the end yes. line, just outside the box. And I was Barlow, at this. Barlow went for an extravagant dribbling mood and it, it moved and it just, it did not work. And Paredes just calmly knocked the ball off of him and then moved out. Um, and if you well, actually. Even better, if, if, Barlow limped away from that and immediately came off the field in a substitution. <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, because he did something while trying to make that move that didn't work uh, at all. But, um, you know, it, if you look back, or I guess you probably can't now because it, it's a 24 hour thing with Instagram, but. Um, I think this is kind of a significant thing. The thing that Paredes wanted to post after the game, other than, uh, you know, a congrats to Sorga and sort of the the equivalent of the retweet of Instagram, which is just reposting something someone posted about you. The one thing that he wanted to focus on the most was someone posted the video of Barlow trying to beat him and him winning that battle. Um, that's not an, uh, if you're the kind of player who, is an attacker who doesn't really care about defending. You don't really care about making that tackle. It's not a big deal to you. Um, but for him, it was. And this is kind of, this is probably why he has won Olsen over so quickly is that uh, it is all facets of the game. Uh, there is no let off when he doesn't have the ball. He's not one of those players that has to be on the ball frequently or they just disengage. Um, he's not one of those players that is only good at pressing and isn't good with the ball. Um, he is comfortable with all of it. He wants to be involved all the time. He's, he's eager to be involved all the time. And I think that's a big part of what allows him to, to be a regular now. And even if everyone's back, I mean, if everyone's back and we're talking like Paul Ariola is back as well, then maybe he's not a starter, but it really does take that many players coming back before you, you would think that he might not be in the starting lineup. He might get rotated for this game because, uh, him and and a few other guys have just played a ton of minutes, and at a certain point, your you know your body gives out. Um, but that's not to say that he's being like punished. It's more of a like if we keep playing you, you're going to break down. Um, which you know this is the we're coming to the end of this six game sprint. That has to be a worry for every single team. Yeah, thankfully there is a week off after this NYCFC <laughs> game, or at least you yeah. know five days. It's not a three and a half four it's day turnaround. Feel infinite. It is. Um, uh, 
before we we take a break and shift over to that NYCFC game, I, I want to uh, wish Felipe Martins a, a, a fast and positive recovery. He tore his ACL, as Jason mentioned, right before this game against the Red Bulls. And uh, I know there's there's a lot of opinions. I've had many of them about Felipe, uh, but but his humanity has has won. I think all of us on this podcast over. Um, he he's he seems like he he's a good dude, even if he plays sometimes like a maniac on the field. So on a human level, we are wishing Felipe a, a very fast and positive recovery. We hope to see him on the field again. Uh, sooner than later. That does it for this segment. Please stick around. It's filibuster. All right. Say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens, and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation. Whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly. Uh, or, or or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. DC United will play their fifth game in 17 days Sunday night when they welcome NYCFC to Audi Field. The Pigeons are currently in sixth place in the East, three points ahead of DC United. Uh, So, you know, this game is effectively for standings um, or for position because the East is very, very bunched up right now. NYCFC down in six, despite coming into the season, you know, back in February, a thousand years ago, uh, as some people's pick, not going to point fingers in the mirror or anything to win the East. Um, some of us thought that they would keep up the the pace from last year and, and look good doing it even with a new coach, but uh, that hasn't been the case. Jason, what's up with Ronnie Dylas team? Uh, it's taken them a while to figure some things out. You know, they came in, um, like you said, the expectations were big. Um, Dyla had done well elsewhere. The roster is still really talented. You know, they didn't, there's not like a major series of departures where you're like, wow, they're completely depleted. It's still a team with um, Hebert. It's still Maxi Morales. Um, there's a, you know, you look at their lineup and there's not, there's no player where you're like, well, what is that guy doing out there? Um this this is a talented group of players. They've got real depth in the attack. Um, so uh, there was a reason people thought they were going to be good. But the adaptation to Dyla's style of play, which is a little, a little more high tempo and a little less precise than what Dometorant wanted out of them, um, 
it was slow. Uh, they came out of the gates with uh, two lo- two shutout losses before everything shut down. They weren't very good at MLS's back. The only team they managed to beat was Miami, which we know something about uh, that being the only team you've beaten for a while. Um, and that was that was their last group stage game, right? They didn't score yes. a goal until this season until that last group stage they, game. They, they had they scored against Orlando, but they okay. lost that game three one, so it didn't feel very good. Right. Um, but yeah, they they took them a while. They finally got that win, but then they didn't go any further in the tournament. Um, I don't. I think I don't actually remember. I don't remember the round of sixteen. I I have I watched the games, but I don't. It's like a blank space in my memory. Um, but, uh, you know, coming out of this, getting into this, uh, sprint, this first, uh, sprint phase that we're in now, um, it still was, it's still a work in progress. They still kind of had some of the same problems. They lost to the Red Bulls right away. And it was another shutout loss, which it, when you've got the attacking talent they have, you shouldn't get, if you lose, that's one thing you shouldn't be getting shut out. Um, that's a group where, there's enough talent where if you do the root Hullet, uh, show up to training with a bag of balls and say, okay, knock it around. Um, you'll still get some goals. Like you probably going to lose, but you'll still, you still should be scoring goals pretty frequently with, with their roster, but they finally started to figure it out. They beat Columbus. Um, what feels like a while ago, but is actually like 10 days ago, I think. Um, that's a pretty good win. Uh, yeah. Columbus who are they still in first at this point? Uh, Columbus has been quite good this year. So that win is not nothing. Right. That, that's a, that's a big, you know, that maybe was their, yeah, Columbus is still in first. They've got 20 points. It's their only loss, uh, of the regular season counting games. Um, so throw out the knockout games, but this is their one loss so far. They've only given up two goals. So (laughs) NYCFC scored half of the goals against Columbus this season. Um, but then, you know, since then they beat Chicago, Chicago's not very good. There's just a, it's, it's a talent deficit that they're at uh, more than anything. They're just, they don't have a lot of players that are good. Um, so they, they tend to lose. Um, and then this final, you know, while DC was dealing with uh, the Red Bulls, uh, they beat the Rebs, which DC hasn't been able to do. They did it on the road, um, which means they overcame the fact that the Rebs have built a team to play on turf. NYCFC has not built a team to really play on turf. So they dealt with that situation as well. Um, so yeah, they're, they're figuring it out. Um, but it has taken them a while and it's taken them a lot longer than people expected. So the, the broad MLS impression of NYCFC is, Oh, they're not that good. You know, four, four wins, five losses. That's not that great. But when you put it in context, almost all of those losses happened a while ago they've won three in a row. Like this is a team that is figuring it out at a bad time for DC because we're now facing them when they've finally started to figure out how to play Ronnie Dylas style of soccer with a little more efficiency. These aren't perfect wins. Um, These weren't like, wow, what a great exhibition of exactly what Dyla wants to do. They're doing what Alston has talked about where they're getting points while they figure out exactly what they want to be. And they are starting to figure it out, um, which is not great news because, like I said, there's a lot of talent on this team. If they start to actually figure it out, it could be it could be a tough, a really tough game. So how do you approach that if you're you're DC United? I know Ben Olsen and the players have already said that the the five back sit and absorb pressure 90 percent of the time was 
specific to the Red Bulls, knowing their press approach and that they're vulnerable on the counter and all that. And they expect to play a lot more against the Pigeons and have the ball and actually go try to go toe to toe. It sounds like with what NYCFC is trying to do. Yeah, I think they are going to be more. We're going to see more possession from DC. We're going to see them um, have more of the ball, certainly higher up the field as well. Um, I do wonder if we're going to see a shift away from three or five at the back because NYCFC have mostly stuck to four, three, three. Um, You know, we've talked about this a few times now, this, uh, you know, having three center backs against only one center forward is not an ideal use of resources. Basically Um, the downside is I don't know exactly how DC is going to go about that switch because O'Neill Fisher played 19 minutes against the Red Bulls, and that was really good to see, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee that after a couple more days of fitness work, he'll be able to start. Um, so you get pretty quickly into territory like maybe Julian Gressel has to play right back for a game, even though he's also someone that needs a rest. Um, but, you know, how many players for DC can even be given a rest right now? Uh, they just, the numbers are short. Um, we'll find out more probably by the time this comes out as far as who's on the injury report or not, because I don't think that was out yet um, or an updated version wasn't out yet. So um, I'm not expecting Russell Canals to play uh, certainly. So that that's one option that right back, that's probably not going to be on the board. And I don't expect um, Chris Odoyatram to be available to start. If he's available at all, that would be a, a bonus. Um, so yeah, switching to probably four, two, three, one is what I would expect. Um, but I don't know exactly how it's going to be executed because the team is limited right now. The numbers are so short, Um, but that's part of it. That's only switching the formation is only one part of it. I think um, we're going to see DC not necessarily play hyper attacking soccer. Um, I don't even know if I would go so far as to say toe to toe. There was a note uh, that Olsen struck where he mentioned that there are going to be some phases where NYCFC has a lot of the ball. Um, So we might see more of a, let's press for 20 and then stand off and preserve our legs for a little while. Um, so they have to be able to defend during those periods of time. And that's going to be the tough part. Um, hopefully the fact that Dilo, you know, wants his teams to be a little more quick to get up the field, a little more direct. Um, hopefully that maybe plays into DC's hands a little bit and that directness, um, you know, conceding that, you know, dropping off a little bit means they're playing direct, but you're already there. You're already in the space that the whole reason a team wants to play quick and direct is they want you to come at them and then they want to go past you. Um, if you're dropping off, it's sort of like you're running into a wall and you're not sort of passing your way through it. Um, this at the is same not... time, mm-hmm. Ben Olsen specifically said, you know, we can't defend as much as we did against right. the Red Bulls because NYCFC's attacking talent is next level compared to the Metro's. Yes. And if and you are true. defending for that long, you're they're going to beat you. They'll figure it out. Right. You know, the, the Red Bulls don't have a forward as good as Bear. He's not been in very good form, but we know his talent level is very high. Um, Maxi Morales, they don't have anyone that's quite as clever as him. Um, you know, Kaku is good, but he doesn't do the same stuff. He's not as much of a problem solver. Um, uh, Castellanos, uh, Ismael Tajuri Shradi, They've got a bunch of guys who are really good off the ball, um, and that makes them hard to defend. They also 
their fullbacks are a little more effective coming forward. Tinnerholm and, and Matarita, the, the width they provide. Um, it's not just a guy who came forward and is wide. It's um, these are guys that have actually created stuff um, from those positions and not just hoofing it into the box. These are, these are guys that stick to your preferences on crossing Adam. The, this is not the uh, stagnant ball that's just sort of hung up there and hoping for the best. This is driven or dribbling, getting deep. Um, these are so modern yeah, they, effective players is what you're saying. Yes. And they are, they are going to, um, they're not, I, I don't expect them to come in and sit deep. Uh, I don't expect them to um, stand off of DC because it's a road game. I think they are going to try and play that style. They're going, I mean, it's not anything you haven't seen before. Like I, I don't want to make it sound like Ronnie Dyla is some um, tactical maverick that we don't have anything like him in MLS. You've actually seen this quite a bit. I mean, it's an attacking 4-3-3. The fullbacks provide a ton of width, but they don't hoof a lot of crosses in. Um, It's not a team that wants to play in the air very much. They want to be on the ground, but they don't want to be slow. Um, You know, there are teams that play like this throughout the league, so it's not something that's unusual, um, but they do have – they have real depth. I mean, Tejuri Shradi and Castellanos haven't been starting lately. Um, Jesus Medina, he's – after looking like a bust for his entire tenure in NY with NYCFC uh, has started to produce a little bit. Um, I know he had a couple goals at MLS's back. Um, so I think, I think one of those goals was a knockout round goal. Now that I'm thinking about it. So maybe they did go through. Um, but in any case um, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of players that even if they rotate, even if they decide that um this is the day to give some of these guys a rest. Um, they're still, especially in the attack, their their back four is not so much. Uh, the defense, the defensive depth, is not very good. Um, if you're not seeing Tinnerholm, Matarita, Chano, or um, Alexander Collins, if you're not seeing them in the starting lineup, then DC's chances of winning go up because the difference between the players that'll step in and those guys is is a little steeper. Um, I will say that in the past, DC struggled with um, uh, James Sands in in a couple games last year, being being able to do a really good job against uh, Rooney and Acosta by occupying the space between the lines um, and just just always being quick uh, to shut people down. I don't know that Sands is going to play that same role uh, because he might be called on to play as a center back for this game just if they want to rest someone. Um, so that's one question mark to my mind as to whether is he going to camp out in that space and just be unflashy, but also make sure no one else can do anything interesting in that area of the field, or is he going to have to drop in and play as a center back for one game because they need to rest someone? Um, that's a, or is he going to be rested? That's another issue that they have to grapple with because it's been, you know, you do that thing where you start winning games, so you don't want to change the team very much. So that's what Dyla is doing. Um, but if you keep having games every two or three days and you don't change the team, eventually at some point you've got to rotate. And maybe, maybe this is one of those situations where they rotate a lot. We've seen Ben Olsen do this in the past where um, maybe he pushes the team for three, but then game four, it's like, I am, this is going to be the open cup lineup. Um, so maybe they go that route. Uh, it's, it's sort of up in the air. Um, they're a little harder to gauge. I will say though, that, just looking at their lineups in the recent games, it looks like they've they've tried to rotate one 
midfielder or forward in to keep people fresh. So it's not going to be a bunch of guys that no one's ever heard of suiting up. You're going to see Mitritza or um, Gary Mackay, Steven, uh, or someone like that. Like it's not going to be the guys that never, ever play. They're, they're, they are going to have experienced players out there. It's just maybe this this feels to me like a game where we're going to see some rotation from them. So just to settle the question, because we, we'd gone back and forth on it, NYCFC lost in the quarterfinals to Portland, okay. the eventual champs. Uh, they beat Toronto FC in the round of 16, 3-1. Okay. So, so they did win a knockout game, but they, they also, you know, went their first three games effectively of the season without scoring a goal. Right. And, and, and that now, first impression lingered. Yeah. But now they're scoring goals and, and that's, right. that's an issue. It would have been nice. It would have been nice if it lingered a little bit longer. Yes. <laughs> if I were DC United, I would simply choose to play opponents who don't score goals. Yeah. That, that's a good strategy. <laughs> Um, on the goal scoring front, DC United will have a, a another forward available to them. Uh, in this game, Gelman Rivas, who we talked about in our last episode, Venezuelan one-time international is his, his paperwork has officially come through or we're told has come through, uh, and he should be available. What that means for Ola Kamara and Eric Sorga, I guess remains to be seen. Ben Olsen, when he, um, when he discussed Rivas, it didn't sound like a guy who would be just struggling to to get time. It sounded like he wants Rivas to compete for a starting job and for real significant minutes up top for, for DC United. And it looks like he's a guy who wants to, to be a physical presence up there. Um, I'm curious how that would play against NYC's uh center backs just having a physical bully up there to to bang on them a little bit i i i honestly don't know how that would work um against them i don't know enough about what nycfc center backs are going to try to do or what they're comfortable with but it is a it is certainly a different look than what dc united has right now where you have kamara who wants to play in the channels and and really just get on it, get on the ball right in the box all by himself and just get tap-ins is what he's he's famous for doing. Of course, his first goal for DC United was uh, put a move on a guy and, and hit a curler, but that's not <laughs> that's not most of his goals in his career. And then Eric Sorga's first goal also put a move on a guy and hit a curler that goes in with a deflection, but it still counts. Um, so I think we know how Gelman Rivas' first goal is going to go. We just don't know when it'll be. Yeah, gonna and, move, and move on a guy and get a curler. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that would fit in. I think Ola Kamara um, and Eric Sorga have both done that now. Um, yeah, exactly. So we've got two in a row. Um, I guess Rivas now has to do it uh, to fit in. So it would be nice. Granted, it's not against the Red Bulls. That will be the game after this that he'll get maybe a chance to do it against them because that's also who it keeps being against. Um, but if he wants to do it against NYCFC, that would be great. Um, I don't. I don't know that he's going to play a ton because he just apparently got his paperwork cleared. So um, I have no gauge on how fit he is. I don't, I don't even actually know when the Turkish season ended um, and how long he's been a free agent. But um, you know, the fact that, that he's being talked about as potentially available is a start. Um, The fact that uh, 
Sorga has offered him up, offered himself up as an option uh, might for this game. If, if this formation change comes to pass, like I suspect it's going to, um, that means that maybe Rivas isn't getting in unless DC is really trailing and, and they're sort of throwing, throwing him in and being like, look, we need a second forward out there to see what happens. Um, but in any case, um, it, it's an interesting move. We talked about it before. I, I'm, I still want to keep myself uh, kind of on the ground. I have no real expectations for maybe for these two games. Um, I think once he gets real time training, because like that's part of the problem with this sprint is there's no time to train. Um, Every day is a game comes, recovery day, basically. Right, you know, the, 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 I will say the team is, is enjoying the fact that they get back the same day now um, because they can recover here and not have a flight on recovery day. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's not a lot of time to build those bonds. Um, you know, it's well known altitude, well known as yes. being good for recovery. I, I Being always in a pressurized feel... tube in the sky is, is exactly what your body needs at any given moment, especially after impossibly, uh, exertive conditions the night before. Right. I, I always feel great when I come off of a plane, uh, <laughs> and, and not necessarily like I should go chug some water and eat uh, like two or three healthy meals in a row to make sure I don't end up feeling worse. Um, so yeah, the situation is difficult for a newcomer uh, right now. So um, if, if he wants to come in and have an immediate impact uh, in the fashion that apparently is the way that DC strikers must now, uh, that would be great. Uh, but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, I would say maybe this is a game if he plays at all, uh, that'd be cool. Um, but if he doesn't, uh, then he might be in line for a few minutes against the Red Bulls because the Red Bulls are going to most likely keep playing with two forwards. Um, I know they just changed coaches and I know that they played DC with a four, two, three, one instead, uh, trying to take advantage of that tactical matchup. But, uh, the Red Bull system has been a two forward system. And I assume that that's one of the things that they're going to tell the coaching staff is you've got to play the two forwards. Um, which might mean that DC is also playing with two forwards. That's where the extra man ends up. So that might be a game that Rivas participates in more, but for this game against NYCFC, maybe he's what they need because that physicality that he's supposed to bring is not really, you know, Kamara is not afraid to mix it up, but it's not, he's not an imposing guy. He's not uh, crashing into people and making things happen that way. Sorga is smaller than Kamara, uh, less physically strong than Kamara. So that's not his game either. Um, so having this different element, people that have been listening to this podcast for a long time know how much I prize you should have forwards who are a little different from one another um, so that you have that change in approach that you can actually shift the way you attack. And if Rivas is as advertised, then that's what he is. Um, but it, it, it'll it be interesting. I mean, you know, maybe Kamara needs to rotate. Uh, certainly, it's been nice to see him out there repeatedly but when you've had his injury problems you do have to start to wonder how many games in a row can this guy start uh before he needs to take a break um so it might be a situation where it's sorga getting the getting the nod to try and build on this big goal and then rivas again is just uh he's in uniform but maybe not in the plans but we don't know i think olsen wants to keep that element of mystery you know his answer to this the question this uh morning was 
very measured. Uh, it took him a long time to get the answer out, not because he was trying to not answer or be snippy, but he was trying to figure out exactly the words he wanted to use uh, How do I without answer this question without giving anything away. Yeah, and, and he was being upfront about it. He's like, look, there's some stuff I don't want out just yet. I want to keep some of this uh, strategically to myself, um, but I also don't want to completely blow off the question. So that's life. You know, sometimes a coach doesn't want to answer you for soccer reasons and not because they're mad. Yeah, and it, it's nice that Ben Olsen isn't just blowing off the question. He's trying to answer it as well as he can without giving away trade secrets, essentially. Um, on Ola Kamara, I mentioned in the last segment that, that he seems like he's pretty low on confidence right now. And, and I, I'm sure he would be the first one to tell you that he's not performing up to his own standard. I, given that Sorga scored in the last goal, given that Kamara has played a ton of minutes, I'm not going to be surprised if he's on the bench to start this. I would love to see him as a sub come in with a little bit more energy late in the game and get a goal that way. Like mm-hmm. that, that seems like an ideal circumstance and let him start against the metros again uh, on Sunday next week. And, and, you know, go into it knowing that that like that would be an ideal scenario for him personally and, and possibly for the team too, because yeah, they need to, everyone needs a confident striker. Well, that and, and just like a break, um, yeah. like you're kind of covering multiple needs uh, by approaching it that way, because you can't, you know, the guys that have played a lot that are, they're kind of in that uh, uh, red zone for lack of a way to put, I, I haven't done my count on the minutes yet to figure out uh, my guesses for who's going to rotate. Uh, but I can tell you that Kamara, Gressel, Paredes, they were all at the top of it going into the Red Bulls game. And then they played a bunch of minutes again. So um, it is definitely one of those situations where just from a minute played standpoint, you have to start to consider it. And maybe you're right. Maybe this game kind of plays in the way that that opens Kamara up for the chances that he's good at. Um, I do think that NYCFC's willingness to come out and play is going to leave spaces both you know, the space between the back four and the goalkeeper uh, space in behind that group. Uh, and also because they want to spread out wide, you've got bigger channels to attack and that's where Kamara thrives. So um, this is a promising opponent for him from a stylistic standpoint. Uh, but that gets more promising most likely as the game wears on, as guys start to get tired. Um, so it might, it might set up for him to sub in Um but it, you know, it depends on a few different things. It depends on exactly how fit is Sorga if he's going to start. Um, I, I assume that Sorga getting off the mark and Kamara being dangerous lately, and both of them being fit, means we're we're hopefully done with Ulysses Segura playing as a striker. Um, yes, please. And and you know, have him play somewhere else. May, he might be needing to play. Uh, he might as be a the wing fullback. <laughs> yeah, or a fullback to, because. Um, he can play all these positions and also he's played a little, uh, a, a slightly lower number of minutes than Gressel. So maybe he's in a little bit better physical condition from a, an overuse standpoint. He's um, also not playing a position that requires as many sprints. Right. Uh, and he, yeah. So that's a, that's a good point that he just hasn't had to, uh, cover the same amount of ground with the same velocity, um, as frequently, uh, so maybe we see something like that as well, but I am 
it's definitely a situation to watch. And I, and I want people to be prepared that if Kamara is sitting, it's not because Olsen is like, you are not scoring goals. I'm benching you. It is probably a whole lot to do with you need to rest because otherwise we're going to have you injured again. And we can't do that again. Um, the team has taken a, it's been a big focus uh, getting him healthy enough to be able to start several games in a row. Um, there's never, I haven't heard anything to indicate a loss of confidence. It's almost like they were frustrated that they couldn't keep him healthy enough to keep him on the field because their belief within the team is that he will score goals if he's starting. Um, but this, this set of games, these circumstances that DC is in, no one's going to start every game and play 90 minutes, except, a you know, a goalkeeper or a center back at the most. Um, everyone else needs to be rotated to some degree. Um, and for a striker, especially like the last thing you want is a striker who is just exhausted. Um, you can, you can kind of get away with it in other positions, but an exhausted striker is not going to do what they're there to do. Uh, most likely they're going to struggle to do that, that last little bit. Cause that's the hard part. Um, so yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me to see him rotated and then brought in looking to try and say like, you only have 30 minutes to, to run. Um, you know, con- you know, condense it all into that. Um, and let's see if we can get some goals out of you that way, because that is a, a, a strategic way to approach this situation. Cause this is a bizarre situation that is uh, it certainly demands more than just, well, I'm going to put my best 11 out there uh, over and over again. Like you do have to make changes just to keep everyone fresh enough to succeed. Yeah. And I, knowing Ben Olsen, I think he would be likely to, to be upfront with the reason he's making whatever choices he is. He's not, he's not a guy who's just going to say, here's my team. No questions. Right. He's going to talk to players. He's going to manage them on a personal level, um, which, which is important, especially if, if I'm right, that Ola Kamara is suffering from a confidence issue himself right now. Um, You got to make sure you have his back and you let him know that he's supported and valuable and you still expect him to, produce but this game in this circumstance he's going to start on the bench and he's going to come off and you want him to score then anything else about this nycfc game you want to talk about before we we call it a night no i think we've covered it i I think it is going to be more of i think olsen put it well when he said it's going to be more of a soccer game than the last game was um and i think it is going to be open i think this is going to not be uh, there won't be a, this is not going to be a game where we're going to be complaining about a lack of action, uh, in the game. Um, I think NYCFC's talent level and the openness with which they are willing to engage in, uh, I think the combination of those two things means that the game will have chances at both ends. So, um, hopefully that's enough for DC to, uh, win without needing, you know, the 98th minute, uh, goal off of a a half cleared corner uh finally working out for them instead of against them um i mean we already we already have the the explicit tag from my earlier f-bomb so right the 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 shithouse goal in the eighth minute of six minutes of stoppage time to beat a rival in their house i i'm here for it every day i (laughs) i will take that every single time we play them um but yeah, against against NYCFC at at home, I'd I'd, I'd rather leave the drama <laughs> for for the Red right. Bulls game. And it would be nice to just see like 
finishing off a um, a normal scoring chance, like one that comes from open play and not a set piece or something else. Um, and the chances have been there. They just need to start putting them away. Um, it's not far from being better than we think it's been. Um, it's been frustrating. This, this run of games has been frustrating, but they haven't been, other than the Philly game, the Philly game is obviously, that was terrible. Um, but the other games have not been very far from being good results with positive things to talk about. Um, that's what makes them so frustrating is that they've been, yeah. yeah, you're so close. You can almost, you can almost make it happen, but you can't, that's much worse than in its way. It's much worse than uh, um, when you just come out and you're like, wow, that was terrible. Uh, you have that full game to be like, well, it was terrible. Whereas those, those close games, they feel so much more uh, acute because you think the whole time, like there's a chance, there's a chance, there's a chance. Um, so hopefully that breaking through against the Red Bulls is going to be followed up with the next step, which is going out against NYCFC, playing against a team that's in good form and not just needing, you know, the unlikely late game winner, but actually maybe scoring a goal in the first half, for example, is a thing that can be done. I've seen it. Hey, not with DC United in 2020, you haven't. (laughs) Hopefully that changes against NYCFC. Uh, make sure you watch to to see if it does happen. And, you know, check us out at blackandredunited.com and, and on this podcast uh, afterward to see if it did happen. Uh, we're also on Patreon if you want to support us financially, patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, we're on Twitter at filibusterdcu, at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We really do read all of them, whether we respond is is another question we're less good about responding but we're good at reading them find us wherever you get your podcasts download review subscribe rate i I put those in the wrong order but you you get the idea mostly though tell a friend about the show uh whether you're social distancing at a bar or at home i when you talk about the game just mention us to a friend that's about the nicest thing you can do for us that's it for us we'll have ben again Uh, next week when we break down this game and preview the final game of this six-game sprint against the Red Bulls. Uh, Until then, for Jason, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Buckfast is a caffeinated, fortified wine that I would love to get a hold of. If you can help me, please, please reach out. Thank you. Don't give it to him, guys. No good can come from this. Thank you.